Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Living an empowered life. And in case you didn't notice or didn't uh, grab one on the way in, there's a workbook that can go with us. These are absolutely free. For those of you that don't really like hard copy, uh, there's a digital format that you can download. Um, And I'm going to help you uh, to do the best I can, especially in the first couple lessons, to be able to get a feel for the book. It's written rather comprehensively, so uh, if you get something out of the message today, but you open that study fresh, you should be able to follow the study uh, because we just really want every opportunity for you to be able to, to work through this particular uh, area that the Lord's put in our heart. Now, as soon as I say living an empowered life, especially as you glance at the introduction in your workbook and you realize this is about understanding the importance of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, anytime that I bring that up, I know I'm going to get about three, if not four different reactions that are happening in people. And it's important we kind of set the stage for where we're headed because we're going to be in this topic and you'll see why in just a moment. But I know that initially, I I may have people that are uncomfortable. I may have people that, man, their caution flags go up, especially if this is your first Sunday. You're like, oh, why did we pick this church, you know, to do this? And uh, maybe you even have some denominational background stuff that kind of cautioned you against this and don't just don't study any of that stuff because you're going to get in trouble and... Um, but, but just bear with me, okay? I want you to know I know you're here in the room, and let, let me just walk through a couple things, and I'll come right back and, and help you with that. I know there's always other, other people on the other side, and they're like, okay, they're excited. It's like, here we go. And, and we got a couple of different groups of those. You know, one, one might say, we need to take off all these rules, and we just need to get busy for the kingdom. Then there's another side and say, well, hold on now, we got to structure this and we got to make sure that it's controlled. And, and let me just say that you two groups, you know, wherever you land on, on that spectrum, you're both right and you're both wrong. Because there's somewhere there's a blend that gets sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And as we study this, we're, we're going to deepen that, mature, that, that sensitivity and we're going to learn to flow together. But, but mostly, I feel like I'm talking to a group of the moderate middle. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. I mean this as warmly and affectionately as possible. But we've got this giant moderate middle in Christianity. And I'll particularly talk to those people that are what we'll call spirit-filled. So you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may even have a prayer language. But when it comes to stuff like this, you kind of feel like, yep, I got everything I need. I'm good. I don't mind learning more about Bible truth and Bible stuff, but as far as like, you know, trying to get this into my life and feeling challenged, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at and you don't really want to take a next step. Now, for each of those groups, people that are cautious, people that are like super excited, like here we go, or people that are kind of apathetic about it, the the one thing we've got to look at and we've got to come to grips with is this thing called the Great Commission. And we, and we really, I mean, it's like a big deal, right? Right after salvation, this is the corporate assignment for every believer, whether we understand that or not. This is Jesus' focus and his mission in the entire earth 
He said that to his disciples, and there's lots of scripture that elaborates. In fact, we're going to look at a couple, the, couple of versions. One's in the Gospel of Mark, where I asked you to turn. Another is in Matthew chapter 28. And yes, I understand that this is not in your workbook. We're kind of setting the stage, and I'll let you know when it's time to turn to your workbook, and we'll get going. But let me just read Mark chapter 16, verse 15. These are the words of Jesus to his disciple, And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the word preach there is the word proclaim. It means to declare the broad message of God's good news. Hey, we don't have to live lost and confused and subjected to all the stuff that's going on in the world, but we can actually become part of God's kingdom and we can become part of the inheritance to all of these blessings that start right now here on earth and only get better and accelerate when we get to heaven. And he said, we're supposed to be proclaiming that, declaring that with a confidence, with an excitement, like, man, you, you, you got to hear about this to every creature. And he's talking about people, so you don't have to preach to your dogs and your cats and the squirrels in the park and don't worry about all that stuff, okay? But to human beings that have the opportunity to be born again, we're supposed to be pretty excited about this. And then here's what Jesus said to his disciples. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Not super politically correct, especially in the social gospel, because they kind of want to believe that anybody who just feels warm about God in any way, well, God loves them and God knows their heart and we're all going to go to heaven. The Bible tells a different story, super fundamental, is that you get presented with the truth about who Jesus is and either you accept him as your savior and your Lord and and you get to be part of his family or you don't accept him. And you've got a whole nother story waiting for you ahead. We all fundamentally agree with that. So every Christian's like, yep, that's the Bible. We totally get that. But we kind of want to stop reading there or at least comprehensively. We don't let it soak in after that. We're all in agreement about, yeah, if you believe you're saved and if you don't believe, we're going to keep praying for you and, and keep you know, talking to you because we want you to be saved. But the next verse goes on and says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, that's a really important statement. Because what he's saying is if you believed in salvation and you accepted Jesus, you started the next phase of your journey. And the next phase of your journey is learning how to live a life that authenticates everything the Bible says is true. It authenticates that Jesus is not just a historical figure and a great religious teacher who will help people to live more lives, but it authenticates the fact that he's alive And this is still real. And everything that he did here on earth and said, by the way, you should be experiencing this too. And that's what authenticates your life. Not the fact that, oh yeah, I said the sinner's prayer one time, or I grew up in Sunday school, or I go to church every Sunday. Those are great parts of the story. But what authenticates a life with Christ is the fact that you believe that he's still alive and he still does this stuff. And he says, and if you believe then these are the signs that are going to follow your life. And listen to them. They're extraordinary. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they recover. And by the way, in case you were feeling nice and relaxed, once we read that list, here comes the three three groups back again. 
Uh, that makes me really nervous because those things are kind of scary and they're weird and I've seen other people, you know, try to push me into it and I was uncomfortable with that and then the people's like, no, 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 that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Come on, let's get going. What are we waiting for? And then the people in the middle are like, yeah, who cares? I mean, yeah, I, I need God to help me from time to time, but I'm not really into all that stuff. That's for the preachers. That's for the other people who are kind of, you know, more on the fanatical side, but I'm not really into that. But listen, Jesus said, if you believe and are saved... That same kind of belief keeps going and growing, and you're supposed to be believing to the point that these signs and wonders, these things follow your life. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll stay around in the study, most of you are going to find out these things are not what you thought. They're wonderful, and they're much more deep and penetrating into our everyday relevant life and the lives of our spouse and our children and our family and friends and others that we can be a part of seeing God move in their life. But listen to me, they're, they're much more, uh, they're, they have a much deeper relevance. I, let me just say it this way, kind of a sneak peek about where we're headed at some point. There's a difference between supernatural and spectacular. Even the Bible defines that. And so most of the time we read this list and we think about all these spectacular things like, wow, whoa, oh my goodness, you know, and that, that's not what most of the New Testament is referring to. Those stuff, those kinds of things are in there. Don't get me wrong. And we love when the Holy Spirit does that, especially when he does it for us. But the Christians that are supposed to be having these things that are following them, that are authenticating their lives, these are supernatural things. In other words, things that are beyond your natural ability to pull off. You know, like when you've got a financial situation or you have someone who's had a medical diagnosis or you've got a little one who has nightmares at nighttime and you're trying to get rid of that. See, all of those things are supernatural. They're beyond your natural ability. But as a Christ follower, you have the ability to do the kinds of things that Jesus did and he wasn't limited by natural ability, natural approaches. He could tap into a whole nother level and watch these things just balance out the way God intended. That's what we're supposed to be, be, be demonstrating. But listen, he said these signs don't happen to every Christian. You can believe Jesus and you can be on your way to heaven. But if you don't believe that the signs that God promised will follow and be part of your life, then you will never see any of those signs demonstrated in your life. Never. In the same way you would have never experienced salvation if you didn't believe that Jesus was telling the truth, you'll never experience any of those supernatural. I'm not just talking about spectacular. I'm talking about things like, God, I really need your help. You won't experience those kinds of things on the regular basis that Jesus said we're supposed to be experiencing them. You won't experience that if you don't believe that those are true. Now, hold on to that thought. Let's take that to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, this is another version of the Great Commission. This is where Matthew's telling what, what he heard Jesus say at a little bit of a different setting. And this is how it starts. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them. This is after the resurrection, by the way. So this is not Jesus, you know, hanging out with them uh, before the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. He came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, he's saying, I now have the final say. I, I'm calling the shots. God has given me this, this, and this is my privilege and my responsibility. And he said, all authority, no matter whether you're talking about the extent of the universe and heaven itself, 
or all the way in the earth, he said, all that's been given to me. And then this is what he says in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. Now this is different than preaching the gospel, proclaiming the good news. Here he uses a totally different term. And he says make disciples. And it means to be teaching and to mentor and develop people. And by the way, that's in what's called the imperative tense, which means he's not, it's not asking. It's not a suggestion. If you're going to be part of the Lord's family and you've said you're the Lord of my life, then he's saying this is a command. It could have actually used that word. I'm commanding you then to go and to make disciples, begin mentoring and shaping and helping people to understand what it means to follow Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen to verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Teaching them. That's a different word entirely. This particular word actually means to unfold something systematically. To be able to help people to understand it one step at a time, one little piece at a time, so that no matter who they are, if they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they choose to participate or not, it becomes a secondary issue. The first issue is, do you understand? Have you been taught, have you walked through this enough so you can explain to somebody what you don't choose to participate in if that's what you choose? But you have to understand it. And this is part of the command. Jesus said, I want you to teach them, systematically unfold to them everything that I've commanded you. And then here's the greatest part of this that, that we can miss easily. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. He said, I'm with you always. In other words, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to empower you. But here's what else it means. I'm watching. I'm listening. Don't try to convince me Lord, I've given you my whole heart. Well, hold on for a second now. You've given him your heart for salvation, true. But what about the great co-mission? Are we involved in that? Are we taking that ability to believe and put into practice where salvation's concerned? Are we turning back around now and say, okay, Lord, I wanna stay in this thing with you? He said, I'm watching, but, but here's the greatest part. It's so small. He said, and lo, by the way, that's inserted by Jesus. That word low is the Greek word edu, and it only shows up when someone's so excited about something, like, wait, 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 and this is so great. This is almost too good to be true, but I'm telling you, when you believe and do what I'm asking you to do, I'm going to show up. It's exactly what Mark chapter 16 says. If you don't believe, you won't see any of this supernatural stuff. You'll go to heaven but you'll go to heaven kind of bumping along and struggling just like everybody else who's not going to heaven. Not because you don't have the opportunity, not because God doesn't love you and want to be involved because you didn't stop and say, okay, I need to at least find out about this so that I can know how, how, how do I believe in, and where do I take a step and how do I keep moving forward? This is what Jesus commanded. And he said, listen, I'm telling you, don't leave anything out. Some of you are like, why do we have to talk about this? Because Jesus said, our responsibility is at least to understand it simply because he commanded it. We're commanded to talk about this. We're commanded to explore it as uncomfortable as it might be. We're, we're commanded to jump into it and to say, listen, we, we have to understand. And then we can make a decision between us and the Lord, whether we participate or not. But we don't get to just say, yeah, that stuff's weird. I'm just not into this. Or I'm good. I don't think I need to. Or here's the way I like to do it. We don't get to do that. Not if we're followers of Christ. 
We have to systematically unfold this and understand it. Here's another one, last one, and then we're going to get to the meat. Uh, Acts chapter 1. We're in verse number four. And again, this is Jesus after the resurrection and being assembled together with them. He, that's Jesus, commanded them, there's that term again, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Jesus said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now he keeps on talking. He's not finished. He keeps on talking. And three verses later in verse number eight, this is what he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, listen, this is going to happen in Jerusalem. So what he's talking about is you're going to be witnesses for me right there in your own circle, starting with your own life and your marital life and your family life and your extended family and friends and then your circles that goes out. And no matter how far you travel for work or for pleasure or for other interests, he said, wherever you go, you're going to be witnesses for me. And by the way, that's the Greek word martudos, which means you're going to, you're going to be able to explain or you're going to be able to, to, to uh, give testimony to a truth that you are so convinced of, you'll give your life for it. It's where we get the word martyr. You can't convince me that things aren't true, that I absolutely believe you can take my head off, but you'll never convince me it's not true. This is so true that I'll give my life for it. And we've seen people over the history of Christianity since Jesus died, I mean millions of them that have given their life. By the way, that's accelerating around the world. Not some distant historical thing. That's accelerating around the world. But Jesus said, something's going to happen in your life. And there's going to be a supernatural strength and just this grit and this just conviction and this wisdom and this grace and this compassion and just start filling in all of these other adjectives. He said, all that's going to happen and it's not like you created it. It's not like you had to learn it. It's going to come up and you're going to be like, yeah, I don't know why I'm so patient right now. I don't know why that I feel so confident about this, but you have the power of the Holy Spirit in and on your life and it's going to enable you to speak to other people with conviction and when you do, they're going to know, wow, that, this guy really believes that. And it's going to impart something, still instill something to them. Now, this, this is how, what Jesus said he meant to be a Christian. Now, let me get back to the groups, okay? And then we're going to go to the study. Again, I, I get it. I, I know that even walking through this doesn't completely erase any of what might lean you to one of those categories, so if you're, if you're cautioned, if you're hesitant, if you've been you know, kind of weirded out or you've been hurt in the past, I know that this might help a little bit to counterbalance, but it doesn't take all that away. And listen, I want you to know I'm sensitive to it and I'm gonna make you a promise. Hang in there with me, okay? I, I know that for those of you that are super excited, man, okay, here we go, here we go. We are gonna go. But, but I also know that you, none of you wanna do it in a way that hurts or offends or marginalizes people. You wanna do it in a way that people can receive and the Lord's gonna help us do that. I'm gonna talk to you in just a minute. But I mostly wanna talk to those people that are in the big middle. You really do love Jesus. And this has been such, such kind of a, a big black hole for you or such a confusing thing that you don't even know where to get started. Listen, whether I'm talking to the cautious people, the kind of super zealous people or the people that don't really think this matters, listen to me, I, I want you to know this is the perfect place for you to be. 
And I'll tell you why, because I'm gonna make you a promise. We're gonna go through a really intense study of the scripture, but I will never, ever, 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 not for one moment in any service or event we do, I'll never, ever, ever put you in an awkward position where you feel like you have to do something or believe something that you're really not enthusiastically wanting to do or believe. That's not my job. My job is to lay it out scripturally and let the Holy Spirit begin to do his work. Sometimes he works quickly in people's lives. Other times it's a very slow, methodical process. He's really good at what he does. And I don't, I'm not planning on getting ahead of him. So it doesn't matter what camp you're in, you're in the perfect place for this, all right? And let me tell you why. Let me go all the way to the end of this study because if you'll just stay with us and you'll look at scripture and you'll let the Holy Spirit reintroduce himself and what he wants to do personally, then you're gonna get two guaranteed blessings at the end. Even if you walk out of the study and say, nope, I still believe the same. Okay, then at least then that you know what it is now that you believe in more thoroughly. Yeah, I still don't buy into that. Okay, at least you know what you don't buy into. At least you'll be able to kind of walk somebody else through. Let me tell you why I don't buy into that. And you'll be able to walk through other than saying, yeah, I don't know, that's just kind of weird. But here's the greater blessing. The greater blessing is you walk away with a new level of confidence that Jesus commanded us to walk through this thoroughly. And you say, okay, I did what you asked me to do. I did. I walked, I, I, I listened. I walked through systematically what you commanded. I didn't run away from it because it's uncomfortable. I didn't run away from it because I got frustrated because we're going so slow. I, I didn't run away from it because I thought, ah, that's not really us. No, no, I hung in there and I stayed with, with what you were doing in the body. This is the perfect place for you to be. All right. Now, if you've got one of those workbooks, you're going to want to go to page number six. Everything else you can read, it's a, it's a different, little bit of a different pathway than the one I took this morning to get us to the same place, and that is this. Here's the question. What is it we need the power of the Holy Spirit for? And again, we're going to talk about this thoroughly, I promise you, but what is it we need the power of the Holy Spirit for, and, and how does that really relate to our relevant lives? And on page number six, you're going to see a, a, a title that says, Six Areas That the Holy Spirit's Power Works in Our Life. And this is important. So this is where we get to Luke chapter four, and this is where the rest of the study gets on cruise, all right? So Luke chapter four, it says, so he, this is Jesus, came to Nazareth. This is while he was, before the crucifixion, while he was still in his ministry, just getting started as a matter of fact, we're in the early days. Uh, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, listen to this, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now let me just pause for a second and just ask a question and just let it reverberate inside. Have you ever picked up the Bible and found yourself in the scripture? And I'm gonna say for the most of us, maybe all of us, absolutely we have, but most of the time it's like, oh yeah, I'm doing that wrong. Oh, yeah, that's, that's why I, see, that's why I'm not a great Christian. See, that's probably why God doesn't want to bless me because we pay attention to all the things that point out our sin, right? They're obvious. But here's the other question. If, if we're going to read that part of the Bible, which I'm not saying we shouldn't, then what about the other part of the Bible that talks about the grace of the Lord Jesus that was given to those that will put their faith in him that opens us up and predisposes us to all of his blessings? See, it's easy to say, yeah, that, that's totally me. I, I, I'm still messing up in that area. But what about is that totally you in the area where God's grace wants to come and set you free? 
Have you ever seen yourself there? Because that's exactly what's going on with Jesus here. And let me just tell you, part of this study is going to be to help you to open your Bible and to see yourself in the study. Because Jesus promised that if we will take the time and we will lean in and we'll keep an open heart and an active growing faith, that the Holy Spirit will come to our life and bring us a supernatural power that will enable us to live more impacting lives and will enable us to live closer to what Jesus promised us. And that's what we all want and we all need. Listen, no, no more of this in our marriages saying, well, I just don't know what to do. Well, no, we, we have somebody who is the counselor that can help us to know what to do. No more of this with our children. Well, I, just don't, I just don't know how to, no, no, no more of that. We have someone who's the perfect parent who can step in and not just give us wisdom about what to say and how to, how to, uh, how to engage this, but can supernaturally begin to work on the heart of our spouse or work on the heart of our children. This is the way Christians live. And listen, when you begin to see yourself, when he said the Holy Spirit will come on, come on you and will empower you, he's talking about you. He's not talking about a group of 12, 2,000 years ago, yet them too. But he's talking, like he said in Mark 16, everyone who believes this is what their life is going to look like. And he's talking about you. So we have to begin to see ourselves in scripture. Jesus saw himself and he wasn't embarrassed or, or timid about it. And we need to begin to see ourselves. Let's keep going. He said, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And now he's going to list six areas that the Holy Spirit wants to come and empower our lives to bring supernatural advantage into every one of our lives. And this is so relevant for every single one of us every single day, but it's not just to us, it's also through us because these, these signs are gonna follow our lives and we'll be able to help other people. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, maybe, maybe it's because I'm a pastor a little more, but I think it's just because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a human and then because I'm a Christ follower, I run into situations all the time and I, and I hear people's story. Or I see what they're going through and I think, Lord, I wish, I wish there was something I could do to help them. I mean, if I, if I had the wherewithal, and I'm talking tangible at the moment, I, I would just rush in and I would just take that disease away. I would just write them the check that would get them out of this mess. I would just give them the silver bullet answer that would all of a sudden make all the hurt and the bad words go away and, and the love would return and the romance would, I, I would do that for them because I don't want to see anybody hurt. And you've probably been in those situations too. But he's going to give us six different things that the Holy Spirit came to do legitimately. I mean measurably, real time in our life so that we can experience that and we can be used to help other people to experience that. Here's what they are. Six areas. He said, the Holy Spirit's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blinds, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Watch this, verse 20. Then he, that's Jesus, closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Now listen to what happened. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. In other words, he just got up to do the reading. This was pretty, pretty common in synagogues for that day. He just got up to read the liturgy, the scripture, but he was reading it with such intensity and there was such, such a power. There was something on it that when he, while he was reading, man, the words were just penetrating penetrating and reverberating. And, and, uh, and the Bible says when he finished, he just rolled the scroll back up and put it back in his place and went back to his seat and everybody was just drop jaw like. 
I mean, it, it was a moment. In fact, the scriptures keep going to help us to see what kind of a moment it was. Uh, the scriptures keep going and said, uh, uh, and he, he noticed they were staring at him, verse number 23, and says, and he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your healing, in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is saying, by the way, what you're feeling right now, that's what I'm talking about. That's this. That's the Holy Spirit's here. And he's not just here for us to read scripture and feel a little inspiration. He's here to literally change people's lives. He's trying to help them to make that connection. But watch this, verse 22. He said, so all bore witness to him, and marveled at the gracious words which, he, which proceeded out of his mouth. When it says they bore witness, by the way, that's that same word, martures. And it literally means all of them knew in their heart, this is so real that nobody will ever convince me it's not. I'd give my life for this right now because I'm telling you, I know what I'm experiencing. I know this is real. They were so convicted by that. And not only that, it went on and said that they marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. This particular word for marveled is the same word that's used in Mark chapter eight, verse 27, when Jesus in the middle of a horrendous storm and the boat was sinking and the disciples were panicking. They're like, wake up, wake up, we're gonna die. And Jesus goes to the front of the boat and says, knock it off. And all of a sudden, the winds just went, whoo, and the waves just became glassy. And the Bible says when he did that, the disciples marveled and said, even the weather obeys this guy. Listen, that's what he did, right? But this congregation has experienced that just because of what he said. They are, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're bewildered. They're like, oh my goodness, just because of what he said. Now, let's go back and we're going to, this won't take long and I've got more information in your workbook so you can do a deeper study, but let's go back and look at these six areas again. And I want to show you just how relevant they are to our everyday lives. These are not spectacular, like something happens at a conference somewhere, you know, when the lights are in the music and the, it, it's not that I'm not marginalizing those experiences, but this is something that happens in our everyday life. But let me just remind you of this because we need to take it with us. This is what happens. Listen, for those who believe. If you don't buy into this stuff, if you don't at least open your heart cautiously and say, well, you know, you, you did say it, you did command it, so I have to at least, you know, keep my heart open as uncomfortable as it might be while you teach me what this means, or you don't say, okay, yeah, I just want to get into it, but, but I at least have to rein myself back in while we help our family to jump into this, or if you're in that middle neutral, yeah, I don't need this, but you will someday, I promise you. In fact, you may look through this list and realize, wow, I didn't even realize it, but I need it like right now. And this is why Jesus was saying this. Now listen, he said the first thing it does, it brings good news to the poor. By the way, uh, we're on page seven in your workbook if you want to follow. We'll be following along much closer. So when the New Testament talks about uh, resources, this particular one, by the way, isn't talking like in Matthew chapter five where he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is actually talking about resources right here. And you can look, look through the context, but it's not limited to that because the New Testament teaches that the root of any lack in our life always kind of spans our whole life and it gets into our, our emotions and our mind and lots of times has to do with our stewardship or decisions we've made and, and can really affect our spirit, you know, down on the inside, whether we're encouraged or whether we have to encourage ourselves. But, but here's what the, the good news to the poor, literally those that are in lack, those that are in debt, 
those that realized they don't have time to catch up, those that realized the economy and they were banking on another couple of good years so that you know we could get, get some things built up, but now the economy looks like it's shifting. Oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? Yeah, all of those people. He says, the good news to the poor is that God will supply your material and your financial needs, listen, for those who believe. Not for just every Christian, but for those who believe, God says, yeah, watch me, I'll, I'll come to light. In fact, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, you know about the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love to pause right there because it feels like there's a question in there. Like Paul's writing to the church and he says, you, you do know about the grace of Jesus, right? And he's giving you time to say, well, I don't know. I, I thought I know about that. Or maybe say, oh yeah, yeah, I, don't, I, I forgot about that and all the craziness. But yeah, and then he describes it. He says that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that through his poverty he might make you rich. And by the way, chapters eight and nine of that particular letter are talking about tangible, financial, material resources. I don't care how you try, you can't get around that. God cares about what's going on in your everyday life. And so the good news is, God says, listen, if you're stressed out because of finances, that's one of the first things that I wanna talk about. How, how can I help you to, to get that pressure off of you? How can I help you to get things straightened out so you can live a more balanced life? Here's the truth, and you'll find it in your workbook. The empowered gospel proclaims whenever there's lack, whether that's internal lack or external lack, God's word and power will provide, listen, let me add the tagline, for those who believe. Not for everybody. It's not that God's being discriminatory, right? It's like, yeah, if you don't believe, then fine, I'm not gonna give it to you. It's that the Bible says that everything comes through grace by faith. If we don't open up, God's a gentleman. He's not gonna push something on us that we don't, are not willing to receive, just like he doesn't push salvation on anybody. He offers it to everybody. And if you'll open up your heart, the Holy Spirit will convince you that Jesus is who he says he is, and you can be eternally saved and part of God's family. But if you don't open your heart to that, he's not going to force anybody. And the same thing applies in every other area of our Christianity, including these six things. A lot of supporting scriptures there for that one, but we're going to move on. Number two, he heals the brokenhearted. This one's really good because the word brokenhearted actually refers to a couple of really great pictures that we can associate with. Uh, the first thing it refers to in the New Testament is it's, it's pointing to grapes that were smashed into wine. So, you know, you've seen those pictures of the big vat and people are stomping around, squashing all the grapes and, and out comes all the juice and the wine. The second way it was used, it described bones that have been broken or crushed to the point that they can't be repaired. They've just been shattered. They're beyond repair. But Jesus said, there are people who are like that and that's what's gone on in your heart. You've had things that are happening in your life and you're, you've just shattered your dreams, your hopes, what you thought this was gonna look like. I mean, it's just destroyed you, shattered you. Something to the point that you can't even put that back together tangibly. It'll never come back together. And, and the Bible's not gonna lie to you about that, but notice this, it says he heals. It means he goes in and he takes that area of your life and he brings it back to hold again. He'll restore again. So maybe he can't put that relationship back together. That's a done deal. But he can bring another relationship. 
He, he can restore that area and he can heal your heart and heal your life. And these are promises of God. Listen to Isaiah 53 verse five. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. And everybody understands in this great prophetic passage, that's talking about eternal salvation. And everybody says, yeah, we believe that. We believe that. We believe that every Christian, right? But then in the same breath, he goes on and says, and he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And that particular word healed is a direct reference to physical, mental, emotional, by the way, and relational healing. And those same Christians that just a moment ago said, yeah, we believe that. You're like, okay, and he heals us too, right? Uh, well, I know he can heal us. See, it's to those who believe. And so he said he wants to come and heal every area of your life, mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically. I mean, the list is never ending. If it involves your personhood, he wants to come and restore whatever looked like it was hopeless and it was crushed. He wants to put you back together again, and he wants to help you to be confident again. Here's the truth. The empowered gospel, if your heart has been broken, dreams shattered, hopes crushed to the point of despair, God's word and power will rebuild what was broken. And what's the insert? To those who believe, to those who believe, it's not automatic. It doesn't do it to everybody. And you got supporting scriptures. Here's number three, proclaims liberty to the captives. Let me, let me start this one this way because uh, I want to be conscious of time. Listen, did you know that not all prisons have bars? There are people that have lived most of their lives incarcerated by addiction, by past abuse, by fear, by insecurity, and the list is ad infinitum. I mean, to wherever the human experience can go, people have things that kind of imprison them, put, put limits and bars around them, and they can't see their way past it. There are people that are incarcerated, and, and, they, and, it, and they don't even know how to, how do we even tangibly you know, work through that? But listen to me, the empowered gospel says, no matter what imprisons you, God's word and power is here to bust you out for those who believe. Not for everybody, but for those who believe. Number four, recovery of sight to the blind. And I'm gonna go back to poverty real quick. Just like poverty, not all blindness is physical. It includes that, but not all blindness is physical. There's times when circumstances and situations and, and kind of you know life things that, that are going on, they so clutter an issue, they so cloud our perspective, they try to eclipse any, any hope or any sense that we can get out of this. And when that happens, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit wants to come and push all that to the side and open your eyes again to what he can and what he wants to do. In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, the Holy Spirit searches out everything. That means every angle of every circumstance in every believer's life, it doesn't matter whether it's internal, doesn't matter what's external, doesn't matter whether it's direct or indirect, he's looking at this thing from every possible angle, and then he shows us God's deep secrets about how to get victory. And here's the truth you'll find on page nine in your, in your notebook. The empowered gospel then is proclaiming if you feel lost, if you can feel confused, if you feel like you're flying blind, then God's word and power will restore your vision and will show you the next step to take. Here's the insert, if you believe. If you don't believe, now I'm telling you, you're living and the answer is right there in front of you. But you got your mind and you got your heart and you got your eyes closed for whatever reason. And we're studying so you can open that up. Number five, he liberates the oppressed. The King James Version actually says this. He sets at liberty those that are bruised. 
And, and I like that because it, 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 uh, it uh, highlights a word there to be bruised that really goes back to the original language. It means it's referring to someone who's been beat up, someone who's been battered to the point that they're black and blue, or someone who's just, just completely worn out from the fight itself. And so here's the truth that we get, that the empowered gospel comes, and if you feel worn out, if you feel beat down, God's word and power is the ultimate energy source to build you back up, spirit, soul, and body. Here's the insert, if you believe. You know, it's funny, Christians, Christians all, all would agree. I mean, universally, there's nothing that God can't do. That's what makes him God. And right, that's the reason we surrender to him because he's God and we want this all-powerful God, this all-knowing God, this ever-present God, this God that, you know, that is controlling somehow uh, the, the whole universe and has a good end for us. But when it comes down to the everyday rubber meets the road in our own lives, I don't know why we choose to close our heart and close our mind at the possibility that God wants to begin to do these things in our everyday life in all of these areas all the time. This is what authenticates the fact that you're serving a living Christ. Number six, this is the last one, and proclaim the Lord's favor. Now, uh, that, that's not just a New Year's blessing, by the way. In the New Living Translation, it says to proclaim that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And here's the truth that I want you to hear. It's in your workbook. We're on page 10. Salvation includes all of the above benefits, all five of the other ones, all working together to move us forward in life as we put our faith in the Holy Spirit's power. And again, that's to those who believe. Here, here's the good news for everybody that's listening, no matter what camp you're in. God wants to move you out of his, what, what you perceive as his disappointment or his frustration. He wants to move you into a mindset that you recognize God's smiling on you. God, in every one of these areas, man, he wants to help. He wants to be involved. He wants to begin to move you out of your challenging situation while well, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah, but when, he wants you to experience the best he can in every single one of these areas because that's what authenticates the fact that you are a believer. Now, let me just quick question rhetorically. Uh, anything that we read on that list, do you see anything that might be relevant to your life right now? I mean, is there even one thing that you could say, yeah, out of all of those, man, right there, if we had that one, life would jump to a whole nother level. I, I bet you if you took some time to let it soak in, you'd find that you're in the scriptures in multiple places here. This is what God legitimately, measurably, real-time wants to do in your life right now. But listen to me, there's only one thing that will stop him or limit him, I should say, from doing any and all of these things. What, what do you think it is? Unbelief. In fact, that's, I'm not just making that up and connecting concepts across the New Testament. It's right here in the story. We don't have time to finish. But if you go and finish reading the story, here's what you're going to find. For about the next 10 verses, these people, even though they were dumbfounded, even though they could sense the presence of God in the room and Jesus is saying, yeah, you see what you're feeling? That's what's happening right now. The Spirit of the Lord is here for me to do all these things for you, even though he was laying that out, and they knew it to the point that they said, nobody will ever convince me otherwise. I know God's in the house. I know this is what he's saying to me. For the next 10 verses after, the, after Jesus finished listing this, they started debating and questioning and literally talked themselves out of it. 
eh, I don't know, it's kind of weird though, you know, but um, what if he doesn't do it, you know, and say, I don't even know where to start. I'm not really a super, you know, super Christian type. And, and they talked themselves out of it. And the Bible says they got so wound up in unbelief that they literally became angry when Jesus was trying to, to move in and they threw him out of the temple. And so the Bible says he couldn't do anything for those people. They all walked away just as tangled up and just as hopeless as they were before, except for a few minor there was a few people that kind of snuck off to the side and say, hey, by the way, does that include this? And so the little minor things, you know, that he helped them with, but nothing compared to what he wanted to do. But the story still isn't finished. After that, you pick up in verse number 31 and go for about another 10 verses. Jesus traveled to the very next town in Galilee, preached a similar message, pretty much the same thing. And the people opened their heart wide and the Bible said there were many, many phenomenal miracles that happened. What was the difference? Belief. Follow us. A willingness to keep their heart open. I don't understand all this, but man, if, if that's what the Bible says, if Jesus commanded, then I, I want to learn about that because we need that in our life. It was just an openness. And Jesus came through and said, yep, let me prove to you that I'm telling the truth. And he did it. Here's the concluding question. So where are you at today? Willing to at least open your heart? At least say, Holy Spirit, help me then. Walk me through this, man. This is scary stuff. Or Lord, it feels like we've been here before and I, I want to make sure, you know, we're going to actually get into it this time. And, or if I'm somewhere in the middle, like, yeah, I don't know why I'm so apathetic. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be neutral. I, I want to be all in. And so I'm going to ask you three quick things and, and it won't take me long. So pay attention. Number one, we're going to close in worship like we always do. And as we do, I just want you to have a private moment just between you and the Holy Spirit. And just be honest with him and say, I, okay, help me then. Help me to keep my heart open. Help me to keep, my, keep myself leaning in so I can understand this and walk me through this step by step so that I can be the Christian you want me to be. By the way, some of you are missing opportunities every Sunday when God's in the house like he was with these people and during worship or even at the end of service, you feel like the Holy Spirit is just tugging at you here. I don't know why that you won't consider acting on that faith and coming up front and letting the people pray, pray with you. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. It's an opportunity for you to start a miracle or start a transformation in your life that will take you where you never thought possible. This is what we're talking about. Here's the second thing I want you to do. Uh, commit to the series. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to, you know, can't miss any Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but commit to the series. Get one of the workbooks if you haven't. In fact, consider joining a connect group because we're going to be discussing these things in the middle of the week and saying, how does that actually work? And what does it actually look like? And, and then here's the third one that I'm particularly excited about. It's not in your workbook, um, but I'm going to offer you a prayer plan. And listen, everybody can do this, everybody. Here's how simple it is. Throughout the series, in the workbook, right at the beginning, there's a key scripture. And they're super small because I'm hoping that you'll spend time thinking about them. You'll commit them to memory. Some of them, like this week's, is not even the whole scripture. It's just the, the, the key thought that we're looking at. This one is, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he'll, he'll empower you. And that's really important. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to take these key scriptures and then listen, use your smart devices and set yourself these little silent alarms. Some people will set them for every hour. Every hour that goes off. And listen, when it does, you take 90 seconds. That's not a big time investment. You can't even excuse yourself to the restroom and get back in 90 seconds. Take 90 seconds and grab that particular key scripture and begin to pray that over yourself. Well, then Holy Spirit, come on me now. Help me, empower me. 
Help my life to reflect that. Lord, we pray for my spouse right now. Help our relationship. Pray for my family. Pray for your church. And say, Lord, come to us as a church and help us to take a definite step deeper into this and use these key scriptures every week. If you'll do that, I'm telling you, there's so many wins across the board. The first win is it's gonna systematically begin to help you to invite the Holy Spirit deeper into your life in a way that he'll prove to you, I'm not a scary guy. I'm not gonna take over and make you do weird stuff. And I'm not, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna help you to grow up into exactly what this is supposed to be. The second thing it's gonna do, it's gonna put God's word in your mouth. Some of you are missing opportunities. The Bible says death and life is in the power of your tongue and you're so busy talking about what's not right that you don't have any time to put in there what God says he wants to make right. And this is gonna help you to develop that habit. It's also gonna keep the study in your heart and help the Holy Spirit to talk to you more. But here's one of the ones that's most favorite to me. If you'll pull your family into this, you'll pull your spouse into it or pull your kids into it. This is going to be a way that you can jumpstart spiritual engagement in your family because that's really difficult for people. How do you just get a spiritual conversation going? Well, this is a 90 second exchange that will help you to begin to do that. And we're gonna trust the Holy Spirit. All right, kept you long enough. You've done a great job listening to me. Stand to your feet. And let's close in prayer. And then we're gonna go back into worship and I want you to open your hearts and take a moment to respond to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you promised that if we would wait on you, we would keep ourselves in a holding posture with our heart open, that your power would come on us and you would enable us to live these supernatural kinds of lives, not weird and not spooky, certainly not beyond what we're ready for. But Holy Spirit, come and do that now. Empower us. We're asking, we're inviting you into our lives. We're inviting you into our marriages. Empower our conversations, Lord. Take those things that are derailing us and realign them together and unify us. Empower us as parents and empower children back towards their parents. And Lord, we're praying and we're inviting you humbly. Humbly, Lord, we're inviting you to come and be deeper in this church. Demonstrate yourself in these signs and wonders, but draw us closer to you. We thank you for all of these things as we start this great series. We invite you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.